The statuette, idol, fetish, or whatever it was, had been captured some months before in the wooded swamps south of New Orleans, during a raid on a supposed voodoo meeting, and so singular and hideous were the rites connected with it, that the police could not but realise that they had stumbled on a dark cult, totally unknown to them, and infinitely more diabolic than even the blackest of the African voodoo circles. Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hello, Peter. How are you? Uh, great. It's lovely and sunny here for once in, in Scotland. How about yourself? Yeah. How's everything going it, there? It's gloriously sunny here as well. Yeah. It was a delightfully spooky intro this week. Yes, yes. Uh, we're having a lot of fun finding our little snippets of Lovecraft. Hopefully yeah. non-racist snippets of Lovecraft, but yes, <laughs> yes snippets all the same. Yeah. <laughs> stumble upon them. So what have we got lined up today, Peter? Well, we want to talk about a card which came out in a secret name. Mm-hmm. And then potentially we're going to move into some cards that are coming out later on in the cycle. Yeah. Should we start off with the card that came out in a secret name, which is the yeah. second pack, or sorry, the, well, the first mythos pack this cycle? Yeah. Is that right? So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah first right. mythos pack. No, this is the pack it came out in, right? Secret name, first yeah. Mythos pack, yeah. Yes. We got them both at once, so it's hard to keep track of which card was in which pack. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a curveball with getting used to cards. So I suppose the other thing is that American listeners, you might have had this card for a while, played with it already. We only got it, what, last week? No, 10 days ago at the yes. time of recording. So yeah, yeah, it still feels very new to us. So this is the Grizzly Totem. It's one of the multi-class cards. It's Survivor and Seeker. Uh, factioned, and it's a three-cost asset with an agility icon. It's item and charm traded, takes up the accessory slot, and its reaction reads, after you commit a card to a skill test, exhaust Grizzly Totem, that card gains another instance of one of its skill icons of your choice. So uh, it's it's okay, I guess? Yeah. I think the, the best case is that this card is a plus one to your skill test once a turn. Mm-hmm which doesn't seem too bad. If you're committing skilled cards often enough to use this, plus one to any skill of your choice or whatever skill you're using when you commit the skill card, that seems good. It's just commit a card, so it Sorry. doesn't even need to be a skill card. I, yeah. always, I always made that mistake. Yeah, I guess the question is, how often are you committing skill cards? How often are you committing cards to tests? Yeah, and that's... A good question. It depends entirely on investigator and on play style and whatever else you're doing. I think on my first look, I said this could just be a a sort of steady, I want to call it like a steady earner. It's like a steady small boost. And maybe that plus one is not going to be the make or break every time you get it. But it just pushes you to that little threshold. Say if it's getting rid of two or three tokens in the bag once a turn, that's not too bad. But that relies on you finding it, playing it, all of those things. Yes. And I think for the same cost, you could grab, well, depending on what faction you're in, uh, you could grab something like Tooth of the Etsley, Mm -hmm. which gives you two stat bonuses and a free draw a turn, but obviously only for treachery tests. You know, I think there's maybe other things that could go in that slot, which are also good. Yeah, and if you're looking at Survivor... For three cost, there's an asset that doesn't even take up a slot, which is Dark Horse, which would boost, give you a plus one for all of your stats for the entire turn. Yes. So there's like, a, you know, with, with a cost of being broke, but there are other cards that give you boosts as well. 
Um, I, th- I think it's fair to say we saw the card and thought Grizzly Totem seemed fine, but we weren't getting like incredibly excited about it. Is that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's a smarter pick in uh, an investigator who uses skill cards more often. And, you know, the two that come to mind are Min and Silas, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, who are Seeker and uh, Survivor, respectively. So this card being Seeker and Survivor, it fits it fits well into that. So I think maybe if you're taking one of those two, you know, you could look at yeah. this card, you'd be able to get that bonus reliably with either of those investigators. Mm. And I just want to want to clarify, because you said take it for an investigator who uses skill cards, but really by extension, what you mean is take it for an investigator who likes committing to pass tests yes, rather than, say, uh, paying resources or things like that. Like this card for me, for, say, Preston, doesn't jump out at all because I'm probably going to use his huge amount of resources to pass tests yeah. rather than necessarily be committing cards. Yes, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I will say skill cards constantly uh, when I'm just meaning committing cards to a test. Yeah, okay. So good. I apologise in advance for that. Listener, you now know that people saying skill card is shorthand for committing cards yeah one of the things i think about this as well just as a small point is if you're thinking about committing skill cards normally they have multiple icons well certainly the neutral skills do or uh some of the new innate cards in circle undone also have multiple icons so adding plus one doesn't feel that great but if you think about adding plus one to a single icon card at that point you're essentially doubling the icon which can be a bigger step in standard certainly if you want to get two over a threshold and you're starting on even throwing away a single willpower icon card that then becomes a double willpower icon that can feel quite potent that could be that's a lot of value if that means you're not committing a second card as a result like that's also, I think, where this card maybe finds a place when you're throwing all of your second, you know, your second shriveling or your second machete or all of the extra copies you have of cards that don't have very many icons. They then become more valuable as cards to commit. What we'll often see is a card which has more of a niche effect, becomes a lot more uh, attractive if it's got a second icon. Mm, so yeah. something like I'm out of here or uh, logical reasoning. Uh, yeah. Or oops, these are all cards which, for the effect itself, probably doesn't wash its face. But when you add two icons onto the card, you think, mm-hmm. well, you know, I could take that. I could take manual dexterity. I'll weigh up which one's better in that in that circumstance. Yeah, and you've you've just highlighted it perfectly. I think you're trading the drawer card that you get from the neutral skills for some other effect at that point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're we're thinking it's a, a decent enough card, but we are very lucky, listener, to be able to announce not one but two new cards to the community from the upcoming For the Greater Good pack, and uh, no prizes if you're going to guess which two cards they are. Yeah, it's the uh, level three Enchanted Blade. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, at the time that this comes out, who knows what cards will have been announced, because the <laughs> yeah. schedule is so... Over the, all over the place that for all I know by the time we release this the whole pack would have been announced and will be caught out. Who knows? Who knows? And if the pattern of the most recent packs is anything to go by there might be other podcasts who are doing announcements of cards. Other podcasts? Yeah. Other inferior podcasts. <laughs> so the advantage of getting two cards to announce is that we both get to read one. Oh yes. Which yeah. one would you like to read Frank? Are we going to read them in unison? And... 
<laughs> and they just talk could, over each other if the words yeah, are different. People could try and guess just from the clash of our voices. Let's do it separately. Yeah. Just do it a, separately. Just indulge me on this, Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll do the seeker one, I reckon, because you've probably got stuff to say about it. So this is also three cost. It's three XP. It's gained a willpower icon, so it's willpower and agility. It's item, charm, and cursed traded, and it takes up the accessory slot. And it reads, after you commit a card to a skill test, exhaust grizzly token, that card gains another instance of one of its skill icons of your choice. If that skill test is successful, the performing investigator draws one card. Okay, so just to highlight the difference, it's gained an agility icon. A a willpower icon, yeah. A willpower icon, sorry. It's gained the cursed trait, Mm -hmm. and it's gained the text. If that skill test is successful, the performing investigator draws one card. The art, the feathers have been blackened in the art. Yes, and the the eyes on the totem have gone red. Mm, Yes. Okay, so the other card is the survivor version of Grizzly Totem. This is a two-cost asset. It has a willpower and agility icon. It has the traits item, charm, and blessed. And it has the reaction, after you commit a card to a skill test, exhaust Grizzly Totem, that card gains another instance of one of its skill icons of your choice. If that skill test fails, return that card to your hand. So this version has Mm -hmm. become cheaper by one. It's gained the blessed trait, and it's gained the text, if that skill test fails, return that card to your hand. Mm-hmm. The Seeker card draws you cards if you succeed at skill tests. The uh, Survivor version returns skill cards to your hand. Mm -hmm. Sorry, returns cards to your hand if the skill test fails. Yes. And it's cheaper. And is one cheaper. And Mateo can take the Survivor version. He can, yes, because it's blessed. (laughs) Yeah, but we yet to have an investigator who can take cursed cards, so that doesn't work the same way with the Seeker Grizzly token. At some point, I will say Seeker when I mean Survivor in this episode. I'm just going to flag that up now as well. Yes, it's, it's a, co- it's a confusing be- couple of cards to look at. Now, while plenty of investigators could take the level zero version, mm. there's only a few that can take either of the upgraded versions. Mm-hmm. It's mainly on, on class investigators and Lola. So Lola could take both if she wanted. Mm-hmm. They're not unique. So as long as she took Relic Hunter, she could have One of each. both copies down. She could she could hedge yeah. and be able to pull cards back or draw cards if she succeeds, yeah? And there's no need to upgrade from the level zero version either. There's, there's, at the moment, there's no advantage to, to doing that. Yes. So we can, we can really look at these cards completely separately, despite the fact that they've got a very similar effect. There's not mm. going to be a huge overlap in people who can use them. So, yeah. you know, should we tackle them one at a time? Uh, yeah, why don't we? Just before we do, though, that this is the thing that has me scratching my head about the multi-class cards. Because the, the golden level zero version is open to lots of different people to use. But then there's no particular... I mean, that's like its ability, that it's an okay card that's open to lots of people to use. But then when you go up the XP progression, suddenly these have much narrower applications and are much more specific. And it leaves me thinking, why did it need to be a multi-class card? I've still not got my head around the multi-class cards. I am trying, but yeah, yeah. Well, the idea I floated was that we might see a level five multi-class version, which combines the effects from the two level three versions. Mm. 
Okay, yeah. So you could you could stepping stone halfway up and you'd have to be going down your path, you know, survivor. And then if you wanted to link back to the, the level five, you could. Yeah. Maybe. It could just be that this is the way, it's, it's just an experiment in introducing the multi-class cards. So before they do more complicated things with mm-hmm. them, then this is, this is where we are. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we'll see a, some kind of deck building ability at some point where you get a discount if you upgrade from a level zero version rather than just changing a different card in yes. your deck, you know, because that's always been the case. Why take switchblade level zero when you could take a different weapon first and then upgrade into switchblade level two. And if we saw that you say saved one XP, if you were upgrading cards of the same yeah. name, say maybe if you're upgrading a pair, like how arcane like research that, works, that would be, yeah, like how arcane research works as long as you're upgrading a spell, but Anyway, that's by the by. So this uh, the Survivor Grizzly token, I like that it's gone down in cost. I think two cost makes it feel pretty reasonable for its effect. And giving the boost, but with the contingency of pulling cards back on fail, really leans into what we already know about how Survivor cards like to operate. So, for instance, you might be planning to fail a test anyway, so you can play Look What I Found or you might have already committed take heart, or you might be planning to fail because you've got a live and learn in hand. So there's all of these different failure synergies that survivors like to play around with. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's certainly a lot of cards that support that now. You look at, say, Rabbit's Mm -hmm. Foot as well. Did you mention Rabbit's Foot? I didn't mention Rabbit's Foot, no. What you need is a card which gives you an additional effect for being committed to a test and take heart which you don't care about failing, Take Heart is really the only one mm-hmm. of those at the moment. But, you know, if you could combo this with Take Heart and recur Take Heart every turn, that becomes quite a, a resource and, and card draw engine, right? Especially if you've also mm-hmm. got Drawing Thin on the go. Yes, yes. You you pump the difficulty not planning to succeed anyway, get two resources or a card from Drawing Thin. You then commit Take Heart, and the timing window, I think, is the same. They're both on if the skill test fails. So you can trigger Take Heart and then pull it back to hand with the Grizzly Token? Is that, that right? That would be my interpretation, yeah. Yeah. If that's correct, <laughs> you're generating four resources and a card. Yeah. Let's draw two, isn't it? Four resources and two cards, or three cards and two resources for a failed test every turn. And, I mean, that's hugely Yeah, powerful. as long as you can suck up the consequences fed in that test every turn. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. someone like yeah. so I've, I've be, we've been talking about drawing thin in you know various of our player groups, and I think you look at someone like Yorick. Yorick, mm-hmm. I feel he he can be incredibly tanky, right? Lots of resources to soak stuff can up. Be, yeah. The area Yorick maybe falls down in is the economy in order to continue to replay the assets he wants, or even just setting himself mm-hmm. up in the first yeah. place. So what we might see here is an engine that can really drive Yorick forwards and Yorick has the health and the, the sanity in order to soak up those negative potential negative consequences for failing tests, depending on what's on the tokens or what, what test you're failing. Absolutely. It's all dependent on finding a test to fail. I've said before, but it's no coincidence, I think, that drawing thins come out in the cycle that we have penalties for failing investigation because it means you can't just go, oh, I'll investigate my four shroud location. Oh, look, I failed. I made two resources. You know, suddenly that becomes a bit more of a yes. risk, which I think is intentional. 
the survivor card it avoids wasting skill cards and the the other thing i've thought is that it does allow as well for gambling a good skill card like resourceful on a test that you're not 100 yeah. percent sure about so for something like resourceful where i definitely want to get back a lucky or get back some other impactful card maybe a will to survive or something like that i'm going to wait for that test that i know i'm going to smash because i don't want to throw resourceful in a test where i'm only one up but with the grizzly totem it would make you two up and it also would mean if i fail i pop yeah. it back to hand and it was it was maybe a little bit more worth the punt and i think i like the idea of playing as a survivor where you you maybe take these these gambles where you're going to profit off failure or success as opposed to just caring about one or the other yeah no i, I totally totally agree that waiting for the test where you you know you can probably succeed and then putting your resourceful in that can sometimes take a while so just being like well i'm i'm at zero over the over the difficulty without resourceful i'll put resourceful in and see what happens i'm not too worried about the consequences of the test but it would be nice to get something back you know with my resourceful so i think that's good i like that yeah i've seen people even wait with resourceful to commit it to say the seeker because it's got an intellect icon and the Seeker's normally smashing their investigations because you know that that's about as safe a test as you can find. And it feels like a little bit of a waste to make them six over the target instead of five just so you can get a card back. You know, you want want your committed cards to be being the difference between success and failure. Yeah, absolutely, yes. So yeah, so that's the Survivor card. What about the Seeker version? Reminder for that one, it gives you the the plus one boost, but if you uh, succeed at the test, you get to draw a card. You're you're wanting to succeed at tests you're committing cards to, right? So the aim with mm-hmm. this would be to get a, a card draw most turns, and yep. be be committing cards to tests most turns, and then passing those tests, which is more likely because of the ability, and then drawing more. Mm-hmm. I, th- yep. I think it's good. You talked earlier about how a single icon card, the difference between a single icon card and a double icon card. And um, what I <laughs> yeah. said was, you look at some cards which have a marginal effect. And you think, well, do I take yes. the marginal effect with the two icons or do I take the neutral skill card, which has the two icons and then also draws me a card? So at least it like replaces itself in my hand. With this mm-hmm. card, yeah. any single icon card becomes one of the neutral skill cards. We've talked in the yeah. past about how good Cornered was and Cornered turns any card in your deck into an unexpected courage. This field, mm, it's a yeah, similar kind yeah. of genre where it turns any card into one of those neutral skill cards. And those neutral skill cards see a lot of play for a good reason, that they're just very generically mm. useful. Yeah, it's only now, four cycles into the game, that they're really starting to fade in in sort of... Um, Popula- popularity? That word? Yeah, yeah, everywhere. You, 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 <laughs> yeah, popularity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That word too. Wow, thanks, Peter. I've just um, I've noticed something about this card that I hadn't thought of before. So you can commit a card to a skill test. It doesn't have to be your skill test. Both of the cards do this, Grizzly Totem. And you get to exhaust the totem and add an icon. And it says, if this skill test is successful, the performing investigator draws a card. So you're also giving out a draw to someone else with the secret. Well, if you're committing cards to other people's tests. And as we all know... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you wouldn't do that there, of course. Sorry. The person with the most cards at the end of the game (laughs) wins. So... <laughs> yeah, for non patrons, Peter has been trying to convince me that the most resources at the end of the scenario is the winner <laughs> for competitive Arkham. Yeah. There's a great story about on the board game subreddit where 
someone had mm. is it um Hanib Oh, what's Hanabi? That game where you you do the firework display, and some right. It, it's a really it. nice game. It, it you don't know what cards you've got in your hand, but everyone else does. So they're trying to psychically guide you to play the right card in your hand. But someone had right. asked, "How do you do scoring for this game? We can't determine who wins." Uh, and the, the game's a co-op game, so you've meant to work together to get to the answer. <laughs> and like this person had just it, it skipped them by entirely. That the whole point of the game was you win as a team. <laughs> yeah. It was, was not me. No. No. <laughs> I wanted to note that about this yeah. this totem because it's another tick in the box towards support seeker. That idea that's like you have a card, you have a card, have some strange <laughs> solution that gives you resources and cards. If you wanted to play purely support, this is yet another option yeah. for that. And if you're playing as say Min, where you're encouraging everyone to commit cards because you're giving them all a boost. boost you could also be selective as Min and go, wow, this is a must-pass test. I'm going to commit a card, use my ability to give it an icon, use the Grizzly Totem to give it another icon, and if we pass, you get a card out of it. And maybe you've got Analytical Mind, so then Min also yeah. gets a card. You know, it it's becomes a hell of an engine then, and I think we'll come on to Min in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. think what I've done is, what we've done is we've looked at what this does to an ordinary card, so a card with a single icon that does nothing else when it's committed, mm. it becomes mm. quite attractive to a commit committed to a test then. But if you look at something that's already wants to be committed, so a manual dexterity then becomes three icons and you draw two cards if the test is successful. So straight away mm. that's looking wow. really, really um, attractive with this card in play. That's the survivor levels of <laughs> generating of card yeah. resources. yeah. So the question is, do you want to spend the three cost and the three or the six experience putting this into your deck, using up that slot, Mm. with the side effect of turning all of your other cards into at least okay skill cards? And I do mean skill cards that time, Mm. because I'm comparing them to skill cards. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, at least double icon skill cards, if not better. I I really like the the sequel one. I think it's, I think in a particular type of deck think it's really good mm-hmm. and that deck was obviously min because it combos well with her ability and with her signature card mm. that she also likes to play i'm just i'm pausing because i'm also having a, th- I'm oh, having a thought peter it's an exciting thought and i mentioned standard earlier and i'm wondering as well about the the efficacy of these cards for higher difficulties where you're not going to be able to pass every test by any means but when you want to make a test a surefire thing, you probably need to overcommit. I'm thinking about if you're committing an inquiring mind, say, and it's a plus three, if that can then actually turn into a plus four, that starts to become quite competitive in a good way. And you're taking those good cards and adding icons to them as a way of really mitigating the swinginess of the yeah, chaos yeah. bag. So like, maybe you're not doing single icon cards to double, you're doing your double or triple icon cards and adding an icon so that you commit fewer things or you only you spend fewer resources to get up to the threshold. And what you might find is that if you're... So specialist characters, especially when you go on to harder difficulties, will just find it impossible to pass those weak, those weak skill tests. So, you know, if you're asking mm. Daisy to punch something or, or, you know, Wendy to punch something or, or Leo to evade something, yeah, it's just not going to happen because the without everyone pitching in cards and 
spending a load of money boosting up those tests. But you might find, even on a hard difficulty, even if someone's got one agility or one in their stat, a, f- a four icon or five icon inquiring mind out of min mm. will make the difference. Yeah. Six on whatever the difficulty is is still all right. You know, if it's a difficulty three or three yeah. up at that point. And if, if Min's nice. using analytical mind, she could be committing that from the other side of the map. <laughs> nice, nice. Her analytical mind helping her inquiring mind. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we've mentioned Min a couple of times. Sorry, that was a little side comment. We decided with this Visions of Future Past that rather than just announce the cards and let you make your mind up, we'd actually dive in and make some decks with them. And we're going to put the deck list in the description of this episode, so you can click on them if you want to look. And we thought we'd just talk about those briefly. Yeah, do you want to go first? Sure. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I took the Survivor card, and I have put it in Silas Marsh. Uh, Although, obviously, I've not put this version of it in, because it's not on Arkham DB yet, but it will be soon. So I've picked Silas because Silas has an ability very like this version of the Grizzly Totem, which is that once per round, Silas, when he reveals tokens, can pull back a skill card to his hand. So in that case, it really is a skill card. And at first they thought, well, why would I put spend 6 XP on a card that gives me Silas's ability already? That was definitely a a sort of point of contention for me. And where it's really led me to is thinking that, well, you'd reach the point where you almost double commit to tests. In our last episode, we were talking about stroke of luck, and you could be chucking a stroke of luck into a test, planning to pull it back, giving it a plus one, so it would be essentially an unexpected courage, and chucking in another skill card. And if you then pull tentacle, you get both back in hand. And you could essentially use Silas's ability, but even more than you would use it already. So just, yeah, really floods of cards into tests in the hope that you either smash the test and pick pick the one you want to pull back, or if you suddenly fail the test, you get more back. I well. guess we, when we were talking about these decks, I guess the Silas version is a bit harder because there's an obvious combo there with Take Heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, how card gamers' brains works. They instantly go to the big play. They're like, right, if I get this set up, then I'm away. But to an extent, f- finding ways of spending the money in Silas is, mm. I mean, difficult. You didn't think you'd have this problem ever, but uh, if you're recurring take heart every turn, what are you putting all those resources into? Mm. I think I think it's a big, big question for Survivor at the moment. I've played, a friend was playing Rita recently and just didn't have things to spend their resources on. And particularly in skill-heavy decks, unless you decide you're doing Dark Horse, but then why would you want to recur, take heart every turn? But, you know, there's, there is this big question then. And then is it a case of actually you buy a lot more expensive cards than other decks would buy? So like two Time One Brand and two Ornate Bow and two True Survivor and two Will to Survive. All of, you push your cost curve really high because actually... You can you can generate shed loads of resources once you get going. I don't know. I've not got to yeah. the bottom of that yet. And the other thing for Silas is I've not. I find with Silas once he's got a handful of cards, he doesn't fail yeah. many tests. Between things like Lucky uh, pulling successes out from the jaws of failure, he 
he yeah doesn't doesn't worry about that too much and because he can pull cards back when he passes as well that means that you might pass a test without needing to commit a card so you pull the card back and then use it again and it gives you that kind of consistency and and uh enhances the longevity of all your yeah. cards in your hand but i mean i think he could be a really nice fit i feel like the grizzly totem survivor version would encourage a silas player to be even more aggressive yeah absolutely yeah game. yeah more uses i mean you the, the the counter argument was always um, you build a Silas deck to make use of his ability, and if Grizzly Totem mm-hmm. it doesn't exactly replicate his ability, but it's relatively similar, so therefore putting mm-hmm. it in gives you more uses of his ability is better for your deck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about a say say you have a turn where you're just trying to investigate, which isn't one of Silas's strengths. You're playing in solo. You uh, action one investigate you commit a perception so you're a four on the shroud of two or whatever and you draw a zero you didn't need to commit the perception so you pull the perception back using silas's ability and get a clue then you investigate again and commit a perception and this time you draw a minus three so you failed and at that point you can tap the grizzly totem and get it back or you could have given the perception an icon but anyway in either option you've committed one skill card to three yeah. tests and it, so it just enhances the use of every card in his deck. It is like, I think we talked about it with Stephen when we had Stephen from Team Covenant on the cast. It's like uh, riding the waves. It's like surfing. The way your cards flow in and out of your hand is tidal rather than one and done. So yeah. So yeah, that's the Silas deck. It feels like you have a lot of control over uh, which of the tests your cards stick at. Mm, mm. We we all know the pain of that situation where you um you commit an upgraded skill card, whether it's a deduction two or a vicious blow two or whatever, uh, and then you pull a tentacle on that test. Mm. So Sa- yeah. Silas really has that control of with this firing as well as his ability. You, you're not stuck in that mm. situation where uh, a, a big play is ruined because you've pulled a slightly worse token at the wrong time. Yes. Yeah. And with the totem, you can double down on that, where Silas's ability only saves one card. So maybe you've gone for a big play and you've thrown in nautical prowess and quick thinking and a stunning blow or something like that, and you draw tentacle. You're then like, well, I can only save one of these cards, so it's probably the nautical prowess, and the others are gone. But with the totem, you go, yeah, it's fine. Tap the totem, get get a couple of them back. You You, you might even have this thing where you're... Yeah, you're committing two cards, and and really, if you pass, you you save one. If you fail, you save another. You kind of you can kind of hedge. I've seen people play before where they commit take heart to tests as Silas, even though they're three over. Just and then in case. yeah, they can pull it back because if they fail, yeah, they pull take take heart back and they don't mind. So they're expecting to succeed in that instance, but in the odd occasion where they fail, they'll save the other yeah. skill card. It's like um, what it is spread betting, right? You're betting on both success yeah. and failure. And I think that the fact that it's a two-cost asset, we've talked a lot about survivors and their experience. So, uh, you know, maybe if Silas is taking Time One Brand, his experience isn't as as easy as some of the other survivors. But still, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel terrible mm-hmm. to have something yeah. to spend three experience on, and the co- the reduced cost helps survivor as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and he's fire axing, so maybe he is dumping a bunch of resources in into tests. At which point, maybe you do hit drawing thin just to get the two resources you need to get the totem down. Okay, I think that's everything I want to say about that Silas deck. Oh, I've thought of it in terms of solo yes. as well. I should just say that. How about your min deck? 
I'd wanted to build a min deck. I read a good thread on uh, Reddit and then chatted to a few people who'd built similar decks. And actually, I, I knew that <laughs> Crystal Totem 3, Level 3 was coming out. And I was like, ooh, that card also fits in this deck. I'll get ahead of the curve and I'll start mm. building it. Basically, it's mm-hmm. a deck built to use um, one of the Level 4 Ancient Stones, which was the translated card from the last cycle. Mm, okay. Uh, both of those upgraded Ancient Stones, they have an effect tied to drawing cards. So when you draw cards, you spend mm-hmm. a number of secrets from the card, and then you either heal horror or you deal damage to enemies at your location. So mm, Min, yeah. obviously, she draws fast anyway. So another way yep. of drawing fast, I think, makes her just that little bit better. So yeah, I, I went with a card, a deck which had quite a bit of actionless draw in order to fire off the upgraded stones once you've got them upgraded. I think Grizzly Totem fits well into that. I also really like Mr. Rook there, because Mr. Rook draws you a card without spending an action, so you fire off the upgraded stones, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, Mr. Rook helps you get Analytic Mind, and then the stones, and then the Grizzly Totem as well. Uh, so suddenly, you know, you're, yeah. you're committing a card to any skill test, and um, if you commit a single card to a skill test, you're drawing two cards as a result if it's successful. And you're adding two icons to that card, mm-hmm. and then you're dealing two Tesla's damage to an enemy at your location. So they're all good cards individually, and they all work even better together. It's yeah. Boy. The other card, of course, you can use, which has just come out, which is probably going to be a focus for discussion at some point, is drawing thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's come up. Yeah, a couple I, of times I think it it has two episode. it has two uses here in this deck. It's another it's another form of actionless draw. So in that situation I've just yeah. described, where you committed a card to a skill test and, and drew two uh, two cards from it, actually we're drawing thin. That could be three cards. And what with Min's ability and mm. the Grizzly Totem, you're adding icons to the skill tests anyway. Plus you're using higher education. So, you know, you're absolutely smashing skill tests and you're getting, you know, you're dealing actionless damage. You're drawing all your cards. You'll easily burn through your entire deck. Pro- mm-hmm. Maybe twice. I don't know. I've definitely I've done it once, many times. I've been playing as Finn. I've yeah, I've done that with Min before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I my my baseline for for drawing my deck is I expect to draw through it once yes. per scenario. For Min, that's like a guaranteed. I would say. Uh, for most other investigators, you can get away with maybe drawing two thirds of your deck. But yeah. I just seen a bit of conversation recently about well you might not see your weaknesses you know you don't draw that much I am in favor of drawing hard so yeah this this deck makes me feel excited the particularly the testless draw feels um, and actionless draw it feels like maybe exploring a side of seeker that we've not yeah, thought about yeah. too much uh, I mean cryptic research obviously is actionless draw but that's a lot of experience so and it and is a stellar card but this idea of uh, drawing in in small increments in little pieces and then doing damage as a result, sort of chip damage. I really like that as an option for Seeker. You know, it's so helpful for three health enemies where you're doing one point of damage and then your guardian is shooting them with the forty five or the Colt or hitting them with machete and yeah. finishing. Yeah, them absolutely. Yeah, I, I, the, yeah. I would say the the difficulty with the deck would be finding the enemies to deal the damage to. Mm-hmm. You know, it it would. I think Min has a weird effect on a playgroup where she helps everyone else pass their tests, even if she's not that productive herself. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you've put in all your skill cards and all the other stuff around that, there's not that much space for your kind of action compression cards. You know, you'll have a might have a deduction in there, or maybe a fingerprint kit, something like that. But you know, basically, she's just passing a test to find a clue. Um, that said, her impact on everyone else in the team is that they are just successful more of the time. Mm, yeah, she she makes me think of like a, a paladin with an yeah. aura effect or a or a bard or something like that. Yeah, I think there should be more. I mean, I th- I feel like Rex has done Seekers a bit of a disservice around clue gathering. Other factions have got better at clue gathering, and I feel like there's a lot of scope for Seekers to explore more of their card pool, where they don't just go, "Well, I'm just going to get all of the clues." So. You know, that's what yeah. I do. You know, Amin is a great example. She's got such a great ability that's around consistency and around helping everyone else pass tests. And we, we were saying this the other day, that when, when she was first revealed, it was a real head-scratcher as to how she was going to work. It just seemed like such a, a weird ability to, to, to tie a character to, to be donating cards to the players and your own skill tests. Um, it was like, well, how's that going to work? How am I going to build a character on this? And then here we are, mm, yeah. a year or what, eighteen months later. Yeah, so just yeah. The, and the couple of other things I want to mention it. about this deck: mm-hmm. ancient stones cost an experience to add, so you can't see them in the deck. However, they have an ability which is when you when you translate the stones, you have to pass an investigation test at your location with plus three shroud. And for me, obviously, that shouldn't be too much mm-hmm. of an issue with all your skill cards and your your extra icons. However, you can. Uh, use drawing thin to increase the difficulty as well and then when you upgrade to your your proper stones you know you've got more uses of that more secrets on that card Mm, yes so if you do it at shroud four you add two difficulty shroud six and then three difficulty for the stones yeah shroud nine and you're getting a nine secrets so that's effectively you've got two cards in your deck which do nine tesla's damage providing you can draw enough cards and i think as discussed, you should be able to do that. So that's 18 damage. And Min passing that test, she's a 4 on 9. If you commit an Inquiring Mind, that's plus 3, so that's 7 on 9. With her Wild, 8 on 9. With Grizzly Token, yeah. 9 on 9. So she's already evens just with yeah, one yeah. card committed. That Before you factor in Magnifying Glass or Fingerprint Kit or... yeah, Oh no, you couldn't use Fingerprint Kit. But yeah, maybe you're chucking in a, a deduction and a... Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then I'll just also mention, in the last pack this cycle, we've seen on the FFG site uh, this idea of bonded cards. You put Mm, a card in your deck, and then when you play it, you pull some of the cards in from outside the game, uh, which looks really fun. Uh, Interested to see what, if we get that for other factions, what those cards look like. But the ones we've seen, Mm -hmm. it's called, is it called uh, Bloodrite or something like that? Bloodright yeah, is the bonded the, the card occult that comes lexicon. in yeah, from the yeah. occult lexicon. Uh, yeah. And the, the, the effect that that card has is it, it could almost be tailor-made for this deck. <laughs> I didn't spot this until afterwards. Mm-hmm. That is uh, a zero-cost card. You play it, you draw two cards, and then you can discard two cards. So you filter your hand in a way. Yeah. And then for each card you discard, mm-hmm. you either take a resource or you spend a resource and deal damage to an enemy. So combined with the ancient stones, you know, you suddenly you're drawing and discarding all sorts of cards, dealing all sorts of damage for a really offensive oriented mm-hmm. seeker deck. Yeah. And at that point then, who cares if you're not getting as Yeah, you're just killing all the enemies. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's like a proper multiplayer deck where you can hold your own 
generalist does it a disservice, yeah. I think, because it's not about being a generalist, but it's about doing everything around this same idea of draw hard, do damage for it, get some clues along the way. Yeah. Occult lexicons definitely a, could be a really fascinating pick for this. I think there's, there is definitely a feed the mind variant of this deck where your plan is to be the boss killer and smash a feed the mind test to draw, say, nine cards yeah, in a test. as long as it doesn't kill you. And as long as it doesn't kill you and and kill, you know, some five health enemy in one draw. But yeah, that's a different version, yeah, I would say. Yeah. So uh, yeah, basically in, in that deck, Grizzly Totem, just the, the upgraded version especially, just fit in well. It just synergized with everything else the deck was doing, which was passing skill tests and drawing cards. Which really mm. is just, I guess, mm. that's the game. <laughs> that's the min game, certainly. Yeah. Um, speaking of games, I mean, that's also the Grizzly Tokens, but speaking of games, maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking about going to the UK Gaming Expo in Birmingham at the last weekend of May, so next month. Will you be going, Peter? Uh, I think you know I will, Frank. <laughs> I hope you will, because I'll be going. Yeah. <laughs> and we're actually doing something at the Expo. If you've been following us on Facebook or on Twitter, you'll have seen that off the back of our work on Arkham in Flames, Asmodee UK have got in touch with us and asked if we want to go and be involved in a somewhat official capacity, helping run Arkham Horror, the card game events at the Expo. Yes. And it was really good. Asmodee asked us effectively what what would work. <laughs> you know, what would we like to run? Mm, yeah. Uh, so we, we put our heads together and had some ideas and chatted to Asmodee and then kind of ended up with the most practical event we think uh, we, we can do. Yeah, if you want a sense of what those conversations were like, go and listen to our Arkham in Flames feedback episode because all of that conversation around what does social Arkham look like, how do you play this game with other people that you've never met before, was all feeding into those discussions with Asmodee as well. So we've suggested to them that we could maybe run Guardians of the Abyss where you do the all of the results from the first session would be collated and would feed into the the second session where you play the second part of Guardians of the Abyss. So a little bit like what they did with it at Gen Con and at Arkham Knights US 2018. Yes. i to get my years right. So we're going to maybe do something like that. We also thought the How Low Can You Go Depths of Yoth Challenge. Thanks, Scott, for that name. He likes to be credited. I think he's trademarked it. <laughs> We'd do that because that's a fun challenge where you're not sort of actively competing with other people, but you're taking on this scenario and trying to do as well as you can. So we're probably going to run a session of that. And we'll also be demoing the game. I don't think anyone listening to this podcast won't have played Arkham yet. Unless my mum. Mum, do you want to come to the expo and demo Arkham? <laughs> yeah. Other than that, yeah. But, but you know, if you're there on the Friday and want to say hi to us, we'll be at the FFG area, I imagine, demoing the game. You have more experience of, the, of this than I do, though, don't you? Yeah. Uh, not a huge amount. I, I was running another event last time I was at the expo, and I went in a break. I went to the Asmodee stand and uh, saw people demoing Arkham and sort of just told them what they were doing wrong <laughs> and ha- gave them a hand with the, with the rules. So, you know, the kind of common mistakes you make on your first couple of tries. Mm-hmm. No tentacle token in the bag. That kind That's of thing. it. Yeah. Yeah. Take that out, throw it away to begin with. Makes your life much easier. Yeah. 
tentacle tokens for losers yeah no <laughs> one plays that style yeah so so we'll be around basically if you're coming to the expo and uh, want to catch up let us know i suspect it'll be crazy busy but we'll be running these official events or officialists and i think there'll be more information coming from asmodee so yes keep an eye out on the expo page and asmodee page if you're interested in tickets we're not involved in any of the ticketing. Yep. So you've got to do it through the expo and through Asmodee. And... You'll need the, the, a ticket to the expo as well, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, the yes, way that uh, these yeah. organized play events work is you, you buy a ticket to the expo and then you'll, you'll sign in or sign up for the various other events. And um, depending on the event, there might be a further cost, which covers you know sometimes participation prizes, that kind of stuff. Uh, we don't know any of that, the detail. We don't know... If, mm-hmm. how much, if anything, what it's going to cost. Uh, we don't know what's going to be given away at the moment. But hopefully, Asmodee keep us involved in that discussion and we can pass that on to you folks and, and keep everyone involved. You know, if you reach out to us, we'll just point you in that direction. Yeah, as soon as we know everything, anything, we'll put it on our Facebook and put it on our Twitter feed and everything as well. So we'll keep you as informed as we can. Exactly. And I think there'll definitely be time, probably on the Friday or Saturday evening, if people are around and want to do something a little bit more informally grab a beer catch up what question do i always get asked who my favorite investigator is i need to rehearse answering that question (laughs) every event i've done someone has said to me frank can i just ask you something who's your favorite investigator and it always blindsides me it's like choosing between my children impossible (laughs) so yeah anyway yeah if you want to come and ask me that question i'm uh very happy to be very embarrassed and not have an answer and yeah you know and if you were at arkham and flames this year and want to link up with us again and, and catch up, we would love to see you. I would love to see you. I, I don't know about you, Peter. Yeah, I'd, I'd be... Mm, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, a, that's so, yeah. a considered yeah. yes from Peter <laughs> and a very positive yes from me. Wow, what a dick. You can tell <laughs> who the friendly host is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if nothing else, it'd be just great to see people again. Um, so yeah. we'll try and just arrange with some people, put up our Facebook page during the yeah. event. Um, we'll be at the bar or at our bar somewhere at some time. Yeah, so that would yeah. be good. Yeah, I secretly would like to do Depths of Yoth, How Low Can You Go? But I don't know if I'll do that in official time. Maybe I'll do that on the sly at another time. We'll see. Yeah, and you, what you've got to beat Frank is the aim of the event. Yeah, that could be, oh, that could be good, yeah. Or you're just, you can, you listener can watch me and like throw shade in my direction. Oh, like a live think on your feet. Yeah. Bad play, nerd, why would you do that? Ugh, what an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I do that. I'm critical enough as it is, I think, without, without needing extra people doing that. Let's not do that. Maybe you could be my hype man, listener. You could be telling me I'm great as I like try and play as Calvin or something like that. Yeah. Okay, anyway, I've got too excited. <laughs> right, well, I think that's everything, isn't it? That's everything. Look out for these cards in For the Greater Good. Oh, that, there's one last thing then. Yes. I am not sure if I will do a first look for for the greater good. Right. Because <laughs> the article that announced this pack announced four of the multi-class XP cards. We've just announced another two. Pretty sure Mythos Busters will announce another two. So that's eight of ten upgrades. Will there be any more player cards in the pack? Will there be at least two? Yeah, and like if there's only two, I'm first looking essentially at two card first look even if there's a couple of extra ones that's still only four cards yeah a couple of neutral cards in that pack maybe i mean maybe i will just because i enjoy doing first looks but 
just watch this space, listener, and don't be surprised if we get a one-month hiatus of Frank's first look. And then maybe, uh, Peter, you'll join me for Union and Disillusion then, which is a pack we know very little about. Yes, I'd, I'd okay. be overjoyed to do that. Oh, great. Cool. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, listener. We're on Patreon, Designed by Humans, Facebook, Twitter. You can also email us at drawntotheflamepodcast at gmail.com. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I'm United everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on uh, Discord and uh, Reddit and Twitter around the places United. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Frank? I'm FB on Twitter. That's E-P-H underscore B-E-E. And I'm around the places Zooey Glass or Zozo. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. forgotten anything I, I, i've got a niggling feeling we've forgotten something as well but i have no idea what it is mm. okay i can always add a note in later or something <laughs> yeah we'll just put this in the blueprint yeah. <laughs>